We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you for locking in. Uh, most of you are listening to this on Wednesday morning, or maybe you're watching this later on Tuesday night via YouTube. Appreciate you all, whether you're watching this, whether you're, you're listening to this. Um, we are taping this early Tuesday morning. I just want to make sure that's thrown out there before we even get going with today's episode, just in case any bills news breaks later on Tuesday. Do know that, uh, we're talking early this morning and speaking of, I am joined right now for, uh, First time in, man, since mid-June, my good friend, recurring guest, been a minute, Aaron Quinn from Cover One, man. How you doing? I am not happy to see you. No offense offense at all. I am a good buddy. Um, Excited to talk to you, uh, but this is the last thing I want to do right now is have to rehash and talk about the bills again. I was just telling you before we uh, went on the air here and started rolling, it's weird you, I've I've kept up with you like we've talked all summer long on Twitter, but you know you with the kids you haven't been able to be on the show this summer, and I've watched plenty of you and Greg, you know on the, on the Cover One podcast on YouTube a lot, but this is the first time we're kind of talking, well, sort of in person anyway, and it kind of feels like a funeral to me a little bit. It's like I, I'm happy to have you back on the show, glad to talk to you, right? But it's like under really shitty circumstances, so that's where I got to get that funeral vibes going right now. I mean, it's not that serious, I get it, but yeah, you know, it's just uh, not good. It's man. not how we wanted to link up. No, come, it's not. I wanted to come celebrate a victory Monday, you know, victory Tuesday with you, yeah, and. Again, we're taping this really early Tuesday, so I, I, I got to say this is kind of still this game from Monday night is still fresh in our minds, um, and we're going to talk about the, the the bad. We'll talk some some bright spots too. I mean, there were some positive things to talk about from this game, although on the surface right now it seems hard to get to that place. And I got a couple things that I want to run past you before we get go for that though, because again, it has been a minute since I've had you on. Uh, we're going to have our fittest set sentence segment at the end, which is something I miss doing with you this summer. One of my favorite reasons for having you on the show always has been just our uh, 
the, the things we talk about pop culture wise, TV, music, stuff like that. They got nothing to do. It's a nice little break from sports. So we'll kind of resume that near the end. Um, before though, like I said, it's, it, it's been a pretty decent summer, I guess, but like, what have you been up to for the most part this summer? I got to throw this one uh, graphic up there because you've been doing plenty of golfing. That's for sure, Oof. man. I've been following again. We're friends on Facebook. Uh, you know, we follow each other, of course, on Twitter. Yeah. I've seen plenty of you on the golf course. Uh, this summer. Well, so, and I, one, I don't, I don't remember who it was. I, we talked about golf. Um, in the spring, I think I really like started out my season early Had a bunch of goals. I was telling you about it. And on one of our mm-hmm. episodes, we talked about me trying to get my handicap down by 10 point, like 10 index points. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting in the high twenties going into the year, uh, from a terrible couple rounds last year that I had. And I did it. I did. And, but somebody, uh, came into my mentions on Twitter and was like, you're an idiot. There's not a, I, there's absolutely no chance you can shave 10 strokes off your index in a single season whatever. And I knew like, I wasn't as high, but that person motivated me all summer long to just keep going out there just to prove people wrong. Uh, But I did. I was able to get under 20 index. I'm still not a very good golfer, but um, I had a very fun summer. Western New York golf is a lot of fun. There's a lot of good courses. Where are some that you played? So uh, I'm a resident in the town of Tonawanda. Mm -hmm. The two courses here, I actually love their municipal courses, uh, Brighton and Sheridan. I went back and forth to those places a lot. It's super close to my house. You get cheaper rates uh, for being in town. So I played there a ton, Uh, but we played tough. Sheridan's a super tough course um, and it's very accessible. It's very nice. And now the price, the fall price drops to like 13 bucks a round. It's crazy what you can get a, a round of golf in. So that's super accessible. I played uh, Glen Oak a couple weeks ago with my producer, Chris Kepner. Super nice, nice course out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been all over the place down in the South Towns, driving all over with a golf group. But this past week, that picture, my kids go to school. Uh, Wednesday, I go or Tuesday, they go to school Tuesday, I go out and golf. I play nine holes. It's okay. I, I linked up with somebody else. I played all right. My back's a little tight. Right. And so like, I'm fine though. I'm, I'm always a little bit tight. I run tense, uh, drop the kids off and I sneak out again on Wednesday thinking I can just get another quick nine in, go get some work done, get my show done at night. And my back was like tight going into it. And the starter was like, Hey, you got to get out there. There's a group of old guys coming in behind and they play super slow. If you want to get out, you got to get out now. And so I just went, I drove backs all tight. Like, uh, should I even do this? But it's a nice day. I already paid. So I just keep plugging away. I'm playing like crap, double, triple bogeys. My back's tight. I'm carrying my clubs. It's kind of hot out. And all of a sudden on the fourth, fifth hole, I go to pick up. I swing. I couldn't make a full swing, put my club in, go to pick up my bag. Just terrible Uh, gut-wrenching back pain almost put me to my knees. Total back spasms. I was stuck in a back spasm pat for like three days this past week, like heading into the weekend, heading into Sunday. I couldn't like do put my own socks on. uh, My my back was so spasm and so bad. Uh, But some dude saved me. I'm all good now. I can, I have full range of motion. I got a chiropractor, an emergency chiropractor that unlocked (laughs) that spasm, but I almost really hurt myself and my golf season almost ended. So other than hanging out with the kids, the family, I've been trying to get as many rounds as I can. in. And dude, I'm telling you, Western New York, I grew up in Maine, played a lot of golf as a kid in Maine. It's accessible to kids, but it's a very expensive sport when you became an adult. 
And you can make it as expensive as you'd like to here, but you can really get good deals. Grover Cleveland, like there's a ton of courses that are totally fine, municipal courses, um, and you can get into them. Like none of them are too busy where you can't get the access to them. And I think we're really lucky here in Western New York. And we get some elite weather for golf too. Yeah, for sure, man. I didn't play this summer. I got to get back into it. It's been been a few years for sure. Um, This is also your first year with your kids. They're both in school now. So this is a bit of an adjustment for you does it feel a little bit weird now you're only a couple days in because school just started mm-hmm. but for this is this is the first time ever that you've had both your kids gone at school for the first time right yes sir what's yeah, that no, adjustment been uh, early on yeah um i was definitely the week heading into school i was like real in my emotional self like then the stat like looking back at the last seven plus years of my life uh since we decided for me to be a stay-at-home dad and stay with these kids i've been home every day with one of my kids in my care uh for seven years and that's probably the longest i've done any thing in a stretch of time like that's a long time to have that type of role and so uh had a lot of stress anxiety of what that was going to be like excitement to get some of my time back and some of the opportunities that i'm going to be able to now take and do Uh, but it's a big change in my life i don't do great with change i'm a real like habit and structure and just keep plugging away that works for me so it's been a little weird um but i went and had lunch with my wife that was kind of cool like just went downtown had lunch just the two of us no kids uh yesterday went had coffee with nate gary so like i saw that being able to you know set me i uh the freelance work i do i'm taking on a lot more of that stuff so it has been good and um i'm getting back into some of the things that i like to do and doing things for myself a little bit but that feels weird because as a parent you know, you really commit yourself and give yourself to these kids for so long and not having to do that all day. Is, it's like, there's a void kind of yeah. hanging around the house. It's real quiet here too, Pat. Like always yelling at these kids for fighting and, and messing with each other. And I already kind of miss it. It's like, Hey, where are those little shitheads running around the house? You know? Well, don't worry. Cause you're going to blink your eye a couple of times. And both your kids are going to be done with school and they're going to be adults. And you're going to be like, where the hell yeah. uh, did the, and I'm going to be bitching next summer when they're home again and Christmas break. <laughs> uh, and of course. Probably this weekend I'll be complaining about them, but you, you know, you mentioned Nate and I saw on Twitter on a Monday afternoon, they put up a picture of you and you're talking about, you know, the, the anxiety and the stress in this game. You guys went out, um, for coffee, by the way, for people who are watching and listening, uh, Thursday night, Nate's going to be with me actually live from Imperial Pizza. So, and I'm sure he's going to be. I might drop in on you, bums. Oh, uh, dude, please do, man. Good wings. I might invite myself. Good wings. You're, you don't have to invite yourself. You're definitely invited. If you can make it up there, it'd be really cool. But anyway, yeah, so Nate's going to be up there Thursday. We'll have some wings and we're going to be doing the show live. That'll be fun. Um, Kind of a segue, talking about this worry that it gave. Uh, listen. There's two things that I want to bring up to you and I want to get your reaction from. And then maybe from there, we could talk about a handful of things. I, I feel like social media, as we're taping this early Tuesday and late Monday night, it was what we expected it to be. I have you know, participated with, in the whatever the problems are. Yeah, so, and so am I. And so am I. And yeah. I, I'm pretty fired up. And I'm not going to lie about that, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me get two thoughts off my chest. One of them has to do with Ken Dorsey. Throughout the game on Monday night, I'm telling you, man. So I watched it with my friend Tone Pucks, who did a show with me afterwards. And yep. um, so I had somebody here to talk to during the game. And he was like really low on Dorsey throughout a lot of the game. And I just, I was like, you know, Josh is just making bad decisions. And he was. And we'll talk about that, obviously. And the offensive line was just doing a really shitty job against a very good Jets defensive line. And we'll talk about how good the Jets are 
at some point on this show. But there was a lot of things going on. And I wasn't really mad at Ken Dorsey for all these struggles that the Bills had on offense Monday in New Jersey. But one play specifically, maybe more than any play, certainly during the Ken Dorsey era, and I just, the Bills offensive coordinator in the last half of the years, period, they really pissed me off on Monday night. And that was overtime. So the, the Bills win the toss. They get the ball. First down, Spencer Brown, false start. So it's first and 15. Then on the actual play, Josh Allen makes a low, bad throw to Dawson Knox. And it's second and 15. Second and 15 in overtime. What play are you dialing up? A run up the middle to James Cook on second and 15. Against a team that was not giving up nothing on the ground. I get that your quarterback is struggling, but what in God's name is Ken Dorsey? And I'm assuming Ken Dorsey made that call and Josh did it, call an audible at the line. But dude, what is going on? How do you run the ball up the middle on second and 15 in overtime? I don't care who you're playing. Am I overreacting to that? Is that not one of the worst offensive coordinator calls that you can remember on this team? Running the ball up the middle on second and 15 in overtime. I just don't get it, dude. Uh, I don't think so. I think data actually might favor the outcomes of running on second and long. We had this conversation a lot with Dable. There was a stretch where the, during that, that Jacksonville game where Dable's offense didn't put up any points against the Urban right, Meyer right. Jacksonville Jaguars. There was that mm -hmm. whole stretch about a month there where it was just super high variance. It wasn't playing well. And he there was a lot of people frustrated with the Bills running second and long. They would end up in the second and long situation and they were running. The problem becomes, I think, some of the rules that offenses apply to what defenses are doing to them and jets play a lot of two high looks they play a lot of that shell defense looks which is exactly what got josh allen into problems with those taking those deep shots that we saw those looks invite runs right and so i i'm not convinced that it wasn't a check i have not had a chance to watch the game back i really don't want to i'm gonna do it later tonight and i'm just Same. dreading absolutely dreading it but um I'm not going to be surprised if that was a check to run and uh, looking into a too high look on the second and 15. And that's not a, the results suck when the run doesn't pan out for much, but those plays, I I'm pretty sure I'll have to look it up. I don't have the data with me today. I wasn't prepared to talk about that, but I think the data isn't terrible on running into that situation and say you get eight, nine yards on a run because they're playing a soft shell cover two type thing that really opens up and keeps you moving. The problem wasn't to me, isn't the play call necessarily it's in that situation, having a pre-snap penalty, pushing you back to be behind the chains against the top defense. Like you can't start drives in the negative against defenses that have been pinning their ears back against you against a team that's been out playing more physical than you have throughout the entire game. I think that's what really puts you back. Um, so yeah, I mean, sure. You want to see them being aggressive in overtime and trying to win that game. But I do think nitpicking that without us knowing if that was an audible or a call, I can't put it on Dorsey necessarily entirely, but I think it comes down to, maybe overanalyzing some of the philosophy you have of, Hey, if we see this, look, this is our answer and yeah. just getting caught up in that minutia, right. Of the offense. Oh, but I do think to, I, to tone, you know, if I was going to sit here and talk to Tone, I actually think Dorsey did a lot of good things 
in this game. This is a you, this is elite defense, um, and and a defense that disguises looks is disciplined, is fast, attacks the ball. So they're going to get, you know, try to get Josh to think he's seeing some of those things. And he played right into what they were doing. But you, there was a lot of nice things. My problem is when Josh gets off the rails for these stretches of time, when I got on the postgame show last night, Pat, it felt very reminiscent to a number of games last year where I'm looking at the drives and I see a stretch where, hey, the Bills score, we're ahead by a score. And then the defense gets four, five, six stops in a row. We saw this time and time again last year. Mm-hmm. Defense just gets a bunch of stops. Just the teams just kind of hang in there, score away, and the Bills' offense just cannot, for sustained a number of drives, return the favor that the defense has given them. And I don't know if that is Ken Dorsey or just the, the, the them not being able to execute in those situations, but it's unacceptable. That's not how good teams put away teams. There, the Jets had no business being involved in this football game for as long as they were, especially the way the Bills defense was playing. They were just stymie and everything. The Bills defense got put in some bad situations. That's the only reason points got put on the board against them. And for that type of stuff to continue, I don't know if it's a lack of Dorsey being able to make adjustments because there were some things that were working in this game, Pat. Dalton Kincaid was a real chain-moving, keeping-the-offense-on-schedule weapon that every time he got the ball, he was going forward. That's exactly what we want to see. Dawson Knox was involved in that kind of way. Uh, Stefan Diggs was unguardable last night. Like Sauce Gardner was just trying to reach out and grab him at every moment, and he was wide open. You could have just you could have fed him 15 targets, and he could have kept going all night. I saw you complaining about Gabe Davis. I'm sure you want to talk about that here, like trying to find some ways to get him more involved. The run game actually looked real good with James Cook, and then it felt like it just kind of disappeared for this stretch I'm talking about when they weren't able to convert and get anything going. So who is that on? Are those checks? Is that Dorsey kind of just trying to overthink a situation and adjust the things they doesn't even need to? Like, why aren't they doing the same things that were working for with that with the success earlier in the game? Let me read to you my maybe overly emotional take I have on Josh Allen that I put on Facebook earlier. Uh, I'm just gonna read it word for word. I want to get your reaction. And again, maybe it's a, maybe a little bit over the top emotional, but this is what I believe anyway. And I'm just gonna read this right from my phone. Last night was certainly the worst of it, but if you've been paying attention, this has become a consistent problem with Josh Allen. Dating back to last year and including the playoffs, Josh Allen has now thrown as many interceptions, nine, as touchdown passes in his past five games. Sure, there's a portion of blame to go around, and it's not all on him. The offensive coordinator, and I'm going to use my foul language on this show, the offensive coordinator is calling fucking running plays up the middle, which we just talked about, on second and 15 in overtime. The offensive line couldn't block a cold. Josh was sacked five times and hit eight last night. That said, stop making excuse after excuse for Josh's poor throws and brain dead decisions. Ken Dorsey ain't making Josh throw into double coverage along the sideline when there's a guy underneath open. Dorsey nor the O line didn't have the ball or didn't heave the ball into double coverage on third down for an interception to take points off the board. When Allen could have easily run for a first down, Dorsey didn't force Josh to throw the ball. Low and nearly uncatchable on first and 15 in overtime to a wide open Dawson Knox. Dorsey nor the offensive line didn't force Josh to bobble a snap, pick it up and fumble and then upon a fumble again upon getting hit. Quite literally with Zach Wilson in the game and the Bills up 10. All Josh had to do to secure a win was not turn the ball over. And he did just that four goddamn times. <laughs> they would have been better off running on first, second and third down and punting nine times and putting this game in Josh's hands straight up. I don't know what it is. If he's just struggling, 
if his focus is off or as much as I hate to say it, teams figured out how to take things away from him and make him get greedy and patient and force turnovers. But there is something off, very off with Josh Allen. And it just it wasn't last night either. How much of an overreaction is that? Because I, mean, I I agree that, or I admit maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction. But mm-hmm. I do think there's a lot of kernels of truth in that. Just dude struggling some, man, and not just last night either. It's um, it's going to be something that I'm going to look at close tonight. I really haven't had to watch like a ton of Josh. The Bengals game you had to. Um, but it, it is definitely going to be something I'm going to look at. I think still the Josh Alex, the Josh Allen experience is still probably 85% awesome, good, sure, high level quarterback play. And you're getting this, you know, other 15, 20% that we see is that Favre life like experience. I said last night to Greg, like my dad's a Packer fan. And I feel like now I understand what that must have been like in the 90s because Brett Favre would have these types of games where it's just like he could not get out of his own way. He was his own worst enemy, put his team in the position, no matter how good everyone else played, his decision making and, and just being blatantly. Uh, disregarding the protecting the ball got in the way. And here's the problem. I think we're going to look back at this game and you're going to get Eric and all these guys to break down the all 22. I think we're going to see a lot of actually conservative play from Josh and smart play from Josh and taking things that were available to him. I saw a number of times where he was doing that with Kincaid, with Knox, getting James Cook involved in the passing game. Like there was an effort to be uh, getting some of that underneath stuff. It was the four to five plays that were just full chaotic. And he had some misses too. There was a miss early behind digs. Uh, that one you said that first and 15, although I do think Kincaid probably makes that catch that Knox doesn't that low catch. Like Kincaid seems to just suck every catch right into him. Yeah, it was catchable bad throw, Ooh, yeah. but it was catchable. I think Kincaid might make it. Um, but either way we saw, uh, you know, some of those screen game to Hardy, some of the stuff short there, they were trying to take that. Um, and then the jets bait you into making some bigger throws or they take something away. And to your point, protection doesn't hold up and you're kind of trying to make something happen, but it was still a real minority of plays. They just had such impact on the game. That first interception didn't even care. Like not all turnovers are the same. It's the three turnovers that I really care about. That first one, same as a punt, right? a punt. You're probably going to punt oh, in that yeah, situation. Right. And obviously Brees Hall takes that huge run back after all that, but you don't know that's going to happen. So I'm not upset with Josh on that first one. Right. It's the other ones that compounded when you were, you had the lead and you're trying to put a team away. And if you don't put a team away and your offense is playing terrible and giving up short field position, and turn the ball over. It's the NFL, dude. I don't care if it's Zach Wilson. I don't care if it's, Mac Jones, whatever quarterback you want to throw out there, if you give them short fields or multiple possessions without scoring, at some point, something's going to not break your way. That coverage Trey White had on the touchdown was great coverage. It was great. Wilson made a once in a lifetime, like crazy acrobatic catch, but that's the game of football, man. And now you're tied, right? And, and now your back's against the wall and you've allowed life into a game that had no business being even close. And so it's a weird game. I'm sure most of what we're thinking and talking about, and I've been super hard on Josh on Twitter. I think we'll probably dial it back as the week goes on. And again, said it all night last night. We might have two or three of these a year where we come on here and we're like, God damn it, Josh. Like you're having this one like knucklehead moment. These, these games where you just totally go crazy. But I think we're going to have probably 11, 12, of those games where it's like Josh did it again, like blew up some team. We're fucking back. We're going to the right. Super Bowl. Like 
I think we're gonna have more moments than uh, more good moments than bad. It just sucks. The anticipation of starting a season against the division rival, you had the win in your hands, and it for it to just be so billsy, and it felt real like drought billsy, Tyrod Taylor billsy. That uh, that feeling, you just want to be past that at this point, and we weren't last night. No, and look, man, Josh Allen ain't JP Lossman. He's a great yeah. quarterback. He's just uh, you know he had a couple moments. He made a couple great plays, but. <laughs> 20 plus teams would still leverage and mortgage their entire franchises to even sniff a chance of having Josh Allen in their building. Forget about what he did badly on the field last night. Something that bothered me personally, maybe it's just me, just felt like he was sulking on the side. And I started thinking in my mind, he always does those mistakes. Huh? Yeah, he's always sulky, pouty, and when it gets bad, very sulky and potty. I'm like, oh, pouty, I said potty. (laughs) But like, I don't see that from home. I don't see that from Joe Burrow on the sideline. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just his process and how he handles when he's struggling and it is what it is. But even you, which borderline, not that you're not ever critical of the Bills, you are. You can call um, me a homer if you want. No, 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 you're you're only, no, because you will be critical of the Bills. I I think you have a positive outlook a lot more than, certainly than I do. You know what I mean? I'm a a knee-jerk reactor. I'm much like Nate. We're going to just react the way we react. But even you were critical post-game too with Josh and uh, this press conference. And look, I, I get what he's saying, man, but it's like, I don't know, dude. At some point, he's like, it, and it's tough to say because he's still an elite quarterback, but it's getting old. Aaron, Aaron what he's saying is just, I don't know, man. It just, it feels old to me. Like, we've been here before. We've been here before. I was more annoyed, not more annoyed with him than during the game, but I was pretty annoyed with him after the game, too, during that press conference and watching his body language. In listening to him, there's just something, something's just not, something's off with, with Josh Allen right now, man. I just, I I yeah. feel. my wife actually has been saying this for a while that there's something off with them and she reads people well. And I've just been refusing to acknowledge that she could be right at all, but uh, um, she's going to continue to pound that. You, she agrees with you. Um, I was really critical of Josh last night in general in the game. And then before I even heard the press conference, when I was getting ready to go on my show, this goes back to last year and I said it after the Bengals game and I've said it after a number of games, those first couple years after the Texans game, after some of the tough losses in those first two years where he just was the sugar high Josh that we all heard about and the high variance mm-hmm. Josh, I was w- fine to hear him get up and pout and be sad for himself. And I can't do this. I put my team in a bad position. I got to take ownership of this. This is on me. Those are all good. I know you can't say anything else. I don't expect him to get up there these many years later and have any different things that he can say to the media. Um, I don't know that there's anything he could have said last night that would have made me feel better. I'm just angry. I'm just upset with him. Um, That's okay. Like, I don't have to have the answer. He doesn't have to have something right to say to me. You can still feel frustrated that he's still in year six sitting up at the podium, fielding questions from John Waro about how shit went totally backwards and wrong. And he had an all time horrible opening night performance. And he's just sitting there sulking, being like, you know, same shit, different day. Um, I got to be better. And, and it's like, I put out a tweet last year. I made a comparison. My wife says I'm terrible with analogies, but I made a comparison after one of the games where Josh was a total stinker last year of, it was the same thing. We're tra- we were potty training my son last year, and we went multiple weeks without having anything. He was sleeping through the night, then all of a sudden he pees his bed a couple times, and it's like, you know, you're up in the middle of the night, changing the sheets over, and you're frustrated. You're not mad at him, 
but you thought you were past it. You didn't quite get past it. He peed all over himself. That felt like those games that Josh had. Well, I'll tell you what, last night, so last night's we did last year. I likened Josh Allen's unpredictable games to my toddler's occasional potty training regressions. Wasn't mad at Josh, just a bit frustrated, thinking we were beyond it. My kid has grown out of bed waiting, but Josh, not quite there yet. Like he still has these moments. And again, I think they're minimal where there's just this huge regression. And I just, my frustration isn't necessarily even in the things he's saying. It's that we have to continue to have these press conferences. I think that's what it is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I'm back with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. First time on the show since mid-June. We are discussing uh, an embarrassing, quite frankly, Bill's loss to an Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, we have went 27 minutes on this show. haven't even mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Crazy. Fourth play of the game, gone. Um, Leonard Floyd gets a sack. As of this taping, it's not official. We don't know, but the assumption is starting to go around that it's his Achilles, and if yeah. so... The Jets are done, but that's another conversation um, for another time. Uh, I kind of want to stay locked on the Bills here. Even with Zach Wilson in the game, Aaron, I swear to you, this is the truth that I'm, and this is not me exaggerating. This is the God's honest truth. Over the last three, four years, when the Bills are playing, I don't give a shit if it's Miami, Kansas City, Cincinnati, wherever they're playing and wherever that stadium is, I don't care. Every time the Bills get the ball on offense, 
I have a feeling inside me that the Bills are going to score. Obviously, that doesn't happen all the time, and some games are not good. But that's the feeling I have inside me, that inner confidence that the Bills are going to score. I swear to you this is true last night. When I was watching the game with Tone Pucks, I didn't feel that. And it's probably the first time in three or four years that I did not feel that. I was getting to a point, and even before it would happen, where I'm like, I don't even care if the Bills score. Just don't turn the ball over. The Jets' defense is all that. They defend, at least against the Bills, every single blade of grass. It's unbelievable. Didn't last night feel to you just to get, whether it was Cook running for 6-7, whether it was Kincaid getting a 6-7-yard catch, digs on a slant. It felt like every catch, every yard was contested by the Jets. Like The Bills had to work for every single yard. And it's testament to how good I think the Jets are on defense. It's just, I don't know, styles make fights. Is that is that the saying in boxing? Um, yeah. The, the, the Bills just struggle against the Jets defense. This Jets defense feels like the blueprint on what, how you stop a mm-hmm. high-powered offense like the Bills. And not just last night. Again, even when the Bills have won some of these games in recent years, the Jets defense has given them fits. Just not confident anymore when they play the Jets. Yeah, no. And uh, I think if you look back through NFL history, you'll find that there's a number of teams that oddly play within the division really well. And they mm-hmm. give, you know, Miami used to give Brady fits randomly and in primetime games, like just big, they just yeah. struggle in those games. Uh, somebody in the cover one Slack channel or in the cover one DM group was just talking about, you know, those Saints, Tom Brady during the Bucks years, the Saints gave him terrible fits. No matter how well he was playing, the Saints would always give them a hard time. Like, it always seems like there's somebody that sort of gets in your way and has you figured out. But if this is the blueprint for stopping Josh Allen, I still I'm OK with that because I don't think there's I think there's few defenses that can present the type of problems that the Jets personnel provides and that they can, you know, we saw last year, they had an absolutely toothless offense without Brees Hall with Zach Wilson and Mike White playing quarterback. And they were still competitive in a number of games. They didn't win a lot, but they were still there. They were still competitive. They were still made it hard. The bills had a labor to beat them even in those types of games. But this is not just uh, to the Jets. Ken Dorsey, this has been my conflict all off season, Pat, that, the conversation around this offense is a difficult one to have because by every uh, analytical point, it was dominant to, to an historic level at times, the analytics and data that this offense put up. And when I watched it, this is that difference between, you know, the eye test and what the data actually tells you. It was hard for me to determine, like, are they really that dominant? Because it never, it was very rarely felt like the bills could just go up and down the field and have their way in the second half of that season. It, everything felt laboring. It all felt like we're relying on Josh to do something amazing and pull out some crazy 50 yard bomb to Stefan Diggs to keep the game going and get some points on the board. Not being able to, I don't care what defense is lining up across from you. Like the jets are good. I'm not taking anything away from them. I know they've t- talked about being one of the best defenses of all time. I don't care if it's the 85 bears lining up against you in 2023 with the amount of offensive weapons that you put together and the assets that you put together on the offense, it's almost criminal to not be able to score over 20 points. If your defense holds a team under 20 points in regulation and you can't top that in 2023 with all the rules that favor offense and being able to spread the ball out and you have a top five quarterback, like 
don't know who's to blame, but it, it's embarrassing and it can't happen. Like you can't have that type of thing. I don't care who the defense is. And again, not to take anything away from the Jets. That's a great defense, but there shouldn't be a defense in the league that can stop you from scoring 20. Quick, real quick detour with the Jets. Let's just assume the worst for Aaron Rodgers and right. that it is his Achilles and that he's done. Yeah. With that defense and, and the players they have on offense, can Zach Wilson keep that team afloat and, no. and legitimately in the mix? You don't nope. think so? Not even close. Yeah, no, I think they, they'll they be scrappy. They'll be everything Robert Sala said he hates. Like Teams will be like, hey, you guys play us real tough. Their defense will keep them in a number of games. They're going to play a bunch of teams hard, um, but I can't see them winning double-digit games, and that's what's going to take to get to the playoffs in the AFC is it being a double-digit win team. So I feel for Jets fans uh, that are suffering, but Zach Wilson's not going to be able to be that guy. Once teams are going to get back to game planning, for him, you're going to be able to remove entire halves of the field. You're going to just take away entire options for him. He's going to make a lot of, he's going to play a lot of bad football. I think the, uh, and the only part of that game where I legitimately felt even reasonably confident was when the bills were up, uh, 10, three and Zach Wilson threw a really horrific interception to Matt Milano. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Here's the Zach Wilson that we know the bills are just going to put their foot on the gas. He made like two or three nice plays, but other than that, he's toothless, man. Like that offense was operating through Brees Hall. Last well, night. agreed. And to be fair, now two of them were runs by Brees Hall. At least two of them were for sure. But anyway, mm-hmm. the Jets ended up having five plays of at least 20 hours and the bills only had yep. one. Um, for the entire game, you know, we could spend all day talking about how bad Josh Allen was and, you know, how concerned we should be about Ken Dorsey. It's tough to really evaluate an offensive line. I think you would agree with this without watching the game back and watching film more specifically. But with the naked eye, two guys that really stuck out to me that were just really bad. And it seemed like every time a bad play happened, because I would sometimes I would rewind the DPR and watch the play again right there in real time. Connor McGovern got beat a lot. And Mitch Morse had a really bad game. Now he's going against an all-world defensive tackle. I get it. But those are two guys who struggle. I mean, Spencer Brown was Spencer Brown, and he played pretty much how we thought he would. Um, but Connor McGovern, you know, this he was like the big free agent sign-out on the offensive line. Maybe, you know, Eric and, and Anthony watch the film, and maybe they'll see things differently. I, I doubt it, though. I'm wondering with him if that knee injury was giving him some problems and an ability to anchor. Um, again, we're going to have to watch that back. It's really hard to determine offensive line real time. But to me... A lot of times it was, again, this is going to be a tough one for people to really break down this week because I think there was some chicken or the egg here. Uh, There was definitely times where the pressure was a result of Josh Allen and Josh Allen just getting out of pockets too soon or being frantic and not seeing things the right way where there was legitimate protection in time for him to do something. Uh, Does that come from the previous sets of plays where Spencer Brown's being pushed back into his lap? Uh, I saw a number of times where both of the tackles were getting pushed back right at the snap of the ball. And so maybe the actual pressure wasn't there, but the feeling of pressure came coming so quick. And so uh, sudden into the snap makes Josh get off of his timing a little bit. So we're going to have to watch it back. I think it's going to be a number of things that some of them were on Josh. Some of them were on the interiors. A lot of them were probably on the, on the tackles in this game, but to your point in talking about how good the jets are, we're going to see a lot of good interior defensive linemen. We're going to see a number of really good edge rushers. I don't know that we're going to see the level of rotation that the jets can put in throughout the entire game and just send waves at you. I think the bills are probably the only team along that front four that has that type of death 
where they can continue to just send waves of really good rush against you just bringing four. Uh, so that's going to be tough on any offensive line, especially in week one. The you know preseason's cool. All these games are cool. You play a couple quarters or whatever. Nothing really prepares you for the physicality of playing four quarters of football, right? And so this is still week one. Week one's a bit of a liar. I know we're all overreacting. We're having a bunch of hot takes and talking about this offense and all these things. But there was probably some good moments to take away from it uh, on the whole. But that offensive line, I'm sure, is going to be one, to your point, that Anthony, Eric, all the guys that break stuff down. I bet Brandon Thorne even takes a look at it with how bad Josh's performance was to see if it was on the offensive line. Because of that, dude, I'm not sure that these are complete overreactions. I think these are legitimate concerns. And yeah, it's one game out of 17, but it's concerning, man. There's another stat that's not fun. Then we have to apply that logic like across to everybody. Joe Burrow had a worse game than Josh sure, Allen. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. Right? He did, yeah, he was terrible. The Chiefs didn't play well, which by the way, you said you know on Saturday, the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills would all be 0-1 right now. I wouldn't have bought that. The Bills all got, so Josh got sacked five times. All five times it was on first down. Mm-hmm. The Bills had a lot of issues on first. McDermott out. said it right after the game. Like you can't against the good defense. You can't put yourself in these situations right out of the start. Can't yeah. do that. And look, man, there's only one football on the field at a time. Not everybody's going to have good numbers. I was a little disappointed that I, I, I was really high on Trent Sherfield. He only played like 14% yeah. of the snaps. Yeah. Didn't, didn't have a target. I don't think he had a target anyway. Um, Sherfield, no catches. Hardy had three, but only for nine yards. Kincaid had four for 26 and nothing early, but then he got he got into his groove. He got into the game. He settled in. Uh, the tight end, seven catches combined between uh, the two of them. That's not bad, but I don't I know, man. See, I tweeted out this morning. That is probably like the one thing on the offense. I want to see that doubled almost immediately. Between the two of them, I'd love to see them bring in 12 to 14 targets. Uh, and just keep feeding that like that's that Beasley role. You can combine the two of those guys and get just real production and keep that offense moving forward. I think it's going to be if John want, if Josh wants to find those easy, long, sustained drives that we were seeing in 2020, right? When this offense would get the ball anywhere at the 15 and they would just go put an effective drive together and, and go down the field. It was not always Josh just dumping the ball 20 yards. It was little short stuff underneath the Beasley. Beasley having an all pro type year running in the middle of the field, like get gain that back. And then that all that other stuff will open up for you and just stay consistent in it. Uh, so I think effective this week, they need to prioritize Kincaid and Knox in the passing game as target a uh, com- combination of target two to digs. First three drives for the bills, zero targets combined for Gabe Davis and Dalton Kincaid fourth drive of the game. Gabe Davis has a nice 26 yard catch up the middle. Kincaid had a catch on that drive. The bills scored their only uh, offensive touchdown of the um, entire game. Uh, it's just, man, really bad. all You know, I'm so annoyed about this offense that I'm not really giving credit to a defense that deserves it. But anyway, I'm so annoyed that I'm not like, I don't even have the energy to, to get pissed off about how the game actually ended <laughs> on, a, on the punt return, man. It's, oh God, it was a bad punt. Yeah. Punt. And then Cam Lewis, this is a tackle and shit, you know, really goes uh, downhill. Yeah, was pretty pretty I, I like Cam Lewis, but you know, I'm about done with Cam Lewis. Every time it seems like he gets an opportunity to do something, Bad things happen. Let's go back to the Vikings game last year. I'm going to tell you how bad he was against the Vikings. I don't care if it was Justin Jefferson that he was guarding. He had a lot of mistakes that game. I'm ready. Not because of the, you know, the feel good story. Let's put Tamar Hamlin 
put him in uniform. I've had enough of Cam Lewis. I just yeah. whatever. This team is, and this is what pisses me off. This is a team that probably, you know, puts more resources in the special teams guys than any team that's ever existed in the history of the NFL right now. And then they lose a game like that was by the way the field goal at the end of the game too i literally dropped down to my knees i thought that was gonna it hit the upright i was like oh then it goes through what a big kick though like thank god we have tyler bass yeah because i didn't didn't think josh did enough to get them in range like leaving your kicker 50 yards to tie the game like that's no joke um and he put that ball that was a big kick from tyler what are you imagining right now? The national media, like on talk shows, which I do not plan on watching, and we're taping this as these they're probably going on. You feel like mm-hmm. the Bills are getting buried already? I know one sports writer was already burying them. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I think the everything that people were concerned about for the Bills, uh, I think the Bills didn't do anything last night to change the concerns that people had coming out of that Bengals game. Like, and the reason, you know, I know a lot of Bills Mafia and myself included was frustrated with the narrative around the Jets, the narrative around all these other teams getting better and the Bills not getting better. Well, the Bills last night, and again, week one's a liar, so we'll see. But last night, it appeared that the Bills didn't look a whole lot different than they looked against the Bengals and that they aren't. They, that that right now things feel a little toothless and disjointed and like th- that there is some disconnect somewhere, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I don't know if it'll continue, but the media is allowed to and is going to run with that type of narrative until the Bills dispel it. And luckily for us, the Bills have a lot of weeks to do it. Again, I do think they will. The Josh Allen experience is going to be 80, 85% better, good, awesome football that the rest of the league is envious of. Uh, but we're going to have some of these moments like good, good quarterbacks have right. Peyton Manning had a bunch of stinker games. Aaron Rodgers has had a number of stinker games in his career. Brett Favre was littered with stinker games. Ben Roethlisberger. Josh doesn't have to be Tom Brady. He just has to put it together for enough games to put you in contention to get you into the playoffs, which I think he's going to do year in, year out. And then you just need to have one of these streaks where he just puts it together because when he does, he's number one. In the league, like when Josh is playing, we have seen. I used to warn people all the time on Cover One Buffalo because you always have these fans wanting the roster to be perfect or wanting somebody to be perfect in a in a moment. And I was like, dude, you never. I would always just say, you're never going to see perfect football. The game's too hard. You're never going to see it. And then Josh Allen literally delivered it. That stretch of playoffs, the game against the Patriots, like we saw absolute perfection from a quarterback, like galaxy brain, god level cheat code playing, even against the Chiefs. So we know what he's capable of. But with great success comes this high variance that you get. And it's just the world we live in. Um, He's not the only quarterback to have high variance, but he gives us a chance. And I'd rather have him than most of the other guys out there. He is going to lead us to to a number of good games and number of success this year. Just, again, tough way to start the year because now that taste is in your mouth after waiting eight months for another shot to prove all these haters wrong. Bill Simmons' tweet. Hello and welcome to the Bills are overrated island. I've been here for the past year and a half. It's nice to see so many new faces. Look, till you start winning more games, it's just the way it's going to go now. Yeah. I will say, you know, you got the Raiders and you got Washington coming up. It's just if you lose in one of those two teams, I think you're, you're in trouble. Your season's in trouble really early. You got to win yeah. those two games, period. Then week four at home against Miami. You beat Miami week four. You go to three and one this week's mostly forgotten about, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but they got to win these next handful of games and especially these next two, because you just cannot lose 
to either of those teams if you want to be considered a legitimate contender. It's um, it's as simple as that. The defense, we can, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the defense because we already know they played well. You know, yeah. on a backup quarterback or not, they played well. I I like Leonard Floyd. He had a sack and a half. Greg Rizzo didn't get any sacks, but he was in the backfield a lot. Set the edge well. He had a nice stop um, in the run game. I thought Ed Oliver played well. Um, Jordan Phillips had a sack. So the, the defense played well. Milano's Matt Milano. Jarrell Bernard, I, I want to give him a, a half apology because I was all over him in the first half. Brutal. I mean, I was tweeting. I was harsh as hell. I thought he was terrible in the first half. I mean, he was getting bowled over, knocked over, out of position a couple of times. I thought he played really well in the second half. He made some nice plays. Maybe he just had to get his feet wet a little bit as a starter. And then in the second half, this is what I hope anyways, a Bills fan. Um, but I thought he played much better in the second half. Christian Benford literally saved the Bills four points with good hustle on that 83-yard uh, Brees Hall run. Which, well, I think a healthy Brees Hall still takes that to the house, but great play. Probably, probably, right. yeah. probably. So there's just, uh, you know, there's not a lot to worry about with the defense other than the fact that, and you know, we I remember that New England game a couple of years ago where you say, well, they stopped Damian Harris except for that long touchdown run or, or Derrick Henry against the Titans that year as well. Well, you're giving up the big play. So, I mean, they are susceptible to these big plays on the ground, but I don't care, man. I don't care about rushing yards between the twenties. Um, it didn't result in much. It did put points on the board and the jets ended up winning. Uh, but those weren't the problems that cost the bills, the game. Um, if, if you're going to have a flaw in one of like the four, right. You have pass offense, pass defense, run offense, run defense. If you're going to have a category where you're the worst at, I want it to be run defense in 2023 yeah. NFL. Like I'm happy for that to be the thing that the bills are the worst at. Yeah. It's frustrating when it rears its head, but more times than not, they're going to bend, but don't break and leave teams with field goals. And they're going to make big plays. Uh, the one thing I want to talk about on the defense is I, we've praised Matt Milano for years. He play has played at an all pro level for multiple years. The play and the level of play that we saw from him last night was even another unlocked level for him. Mm -hmm. If he can maintain the way he's playing last night, like he looked more explosive, faster, processing differently. Like he he was in control of that whole game. He might have been the best player on the entire field last night. That's second best player to me. Yeah. So that best player was Steph uh, Williams. No, I, I'm gonna go with the Jets. Quentin I think Williams. Williams. I think it was Quentin Williams. I think you saw. The difference with defensive tackle, Chris Jones didn't play for the Chiefs, and you saw how much I think that hurt them on opening sure. night. Gwyneth Williams played and was fantastic on yeah. Monday, and I think you see how much a, a great defensive tackle can make a defense. That's why I'm really hopeful that this is that year where Ed Oliver really puts everything together more consistently. is isn't just a splash guy, which, to be fair to him, I thought last night was a good start for him. Yeah, he looked good. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, Stefan Diggs is easy to take him for granted. You know, we're not even talking about him. He had 10 catches for a buckle two in the. In and the you could, like I said, you could have given him five more and he would have probably caught them all. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'm going to take a real quick break. I got to plug a, a wrestling company's uh, show that's coming up. Then we're going to come back and we're going to finish with our finish the sentence segment. Been a while since we've done this. So looking forward to that. All right. I'm going to take a real quick break here to let local wrestling fans know that on Saturday, September 30th, Buffalo Championship Wrestling presents the Big Fall Bash. This event takes place at the Arlene Mahalu Community Center, located at 82 Harrison Street in Buffalo. Event starts at 6, doors open at 4.30. On the slate, current NWA star Aaron Stevens, formerly known as WWE superstar Damian Sandow, will be there meeting fans 
and signing autographs before the event. In action, you'll see BCW, WNY Heritage Wrestling Champ, Rockstar Robbie Vegas, the new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, EC3, Mad Dog, the Calamity, Delson Alexander, the tag team of the Buffalo Bad Boy, Brian Jennings, and Bulk Nasty, Invincible Vance Valor, and much more. For tickets and info, be sure to visit bcw-wny.com. Again, that's bcw-wny.com. And follow Buffalo Championship Wrestling on all social media platforms at bcw-wny. You know, it's funny. <laughs> Looking at a couple of tweets or people tweet at me directly. And it started Tuesday morning. Josh needs to go back to basics. Like getting back with fucking Queen Brit. So that's one take. And now there's already Tom Brady to the Jets talk going. So just uh I'm gonna throw that out there on this uh Tuesday. Tuesday I tried morning. getting one of the guys in the cover one uh group chat last night to tweet out uh things were better with Britney. Uh just so I just because I wanted to watch Twitter just melt that. I don't want to tweet it because I, I I don't want to get into that. And I no, I I don't even want to make those jokes uh about Josh's personal life, but I knew that would be coming from the mafia. So I was like, who's going to be the one to tweet it out first? Yeah, you know what I mean? That, oh, we're, things were so much better when we had. Um, yeah. yeah. No, we're going to be in our feelings here for a week. He's going to get pretty wild on Twitter. Yeah, he is. It is. <laughs> I mean, there's already, I'm definitely seeing some of it as well. You know, he's too busy playing golf all off season and being on the Madden cover. Saw, uh, yeah, and, dating, and dating celebrities that he doesn't yeah. care about football anymore. It, look, Josh played like shit, but I promise you this much: Josh cares about this team and cares about the Bills and is dedicated. If he wants everyone to stop talking and stop having those press conferences, he knows what to do. He's that talented kid as a kid who just keeps making the same mistakes. You know, he does so many things so well, but you just you try to teach him to not like you. Your potty reverence was perfect with the kid. You know what I mean? Wetting the bed. That it's perfect with Josh Allen because he does so many great things well, but he just reverts back to some things at certain times. But anyway, en enough talk about the Bills right now because I'm really, quite frankly, sick of it. It's um, not good for our mental health. Though. No, it's definitely not. So we're going to finish with our finish the sentence segment. It's been a while with you, at least. Anyway, um, just a chance for people to get to know a, a different side of you a little bit more. I got four kind of like pop culture-ish questions for you. I just want to get... Uh, your answers for these, and I'll have them as well. So let's start here. A song intro that immediately makes me want to turn up the volume is blank. This one's um, a tough one because there, there's different types of songs, right? Like there's the mm. ACDC Thunderstruck where it's like you hear that and you know it's like, all right, let's get fucking pumped up, right? Or sure. I've talked about it before, like hype songs. I love Bonfire by Childish Gambino is one of them that I hear that intro. And I'm like, fuck it, let's go. Uh, but what immediately drew for me is one that uh, when I hear the kick of the drums on Mary J. Blige's um, Real Love, I just fucking lose my mind, Pat. I will crank. Uh, I don't care who's in the room. What that song makes me feel so goddamn good inside. Uh, and, and she just kills it. And the beat's just so good that that for me, it wasn't at first. I went to it thinking this was going to be an amp up song, but it's really just that feel good song. When I hear that kicking coming in, I know Mary's about to rip it. That's a really good one. I got two. And this first one is definitely corny, but 
I'm telling the truth. Rocky too. You know, whenever I hear that, which I might be the only person, you know, that actually has that on his Spotify playlist. Probably. I'll play that. And when I do, I definitely crank that up. And on a feel good version, you talk about Mary Jane. I agree with uh, your take there. Neil, because of you, when that song comes on and the beat Mm -hmm. first kicks, I really get into that one. So that's another one that I will definitely uh, pop up the volume for. All right. A comedian I don't find nearly as funny as most do is blank. Uh, I don't know how, if a lot of people find him funny, but I see him everywhere. Um, and I can't stand it is the, I think I'm going to say his name right here. It's Burt Crusher. Yeah. The cave the with his like belly. shirt off. He's always got yeah, shirt yeah, off. Yeah, he's yeah, Joe yeah. Rogan's boy. Um, I think he's just a douchebag. I think he's just a hateful, mean dude. And that's not comedy to me. I think he just talks a bunch of shit and is just like kind of obnoxious. I don't know. That comedy doesn't hit for me. It is not, doesn't come off as intelligent at all. Uh, and I just see him everywhere and it drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of his either. Although he does have one of the most epic, uh, drinking, get you hyped to drink rants that I, that I've does ever he? heard. But yeah, but generally, but that's it. the thing. It's like, it's very like, this guy's like a guy with the mentality of a 20 year old, but he's like 50 something. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Does carrot top count? He wasn't a comedian. Was he? No. One of the greatest know. moments in TV. Did anyone history. like him? I said most people think he's so I don't. Does anyone actually think he's funny? I can't even use him, can I? One of the greatest moments in uh, TV history is the clip of Norm MacDonald on Conan. And there's a girl. She was from like uh, one of those sitcom or not sitcom. One of those like 90210s. And she did a movie with carrot top called chairman of the board that she was there to like, uh, I've heard pre- of that to present like on Conan and go and Norm McDonald sitting just next to her. And he kept like interjecting how Norm does. And then he's just burying carrot top and like what a dummy carrot top is. How he's not funny at all. And then she goes, he's like, what's the name of the movie again? She goes, they're like, it's chairman of the board. Norm. And he goes, is it board B O R E D? Yeah. I hated carrot top. You know, another one and, he, and he's deceased and I know young people probably don't even know him, but Bobcat Goldthwait, at least a lot of people used to think he was funny and he just had those crazy faces. He was in the police Academy movies. Oh I, yeah. I, I just, Who is ah. the dude to uh, Gallagher? Gallagher. Funny. Yeah, the guy who smashed the watermelon. Smashed up. Just he wasn't girl. that funny. And then um that and there's a Kinnison, Sam Kinnison. He, he again he's passed. He was a guy who just starts screaming. Yeah, I didn't remember like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I don't know. I'm going old school there with uh comedians, but didn't really find them funny. Um, all right, my current favorite type of potato chip is blank. You're gonna hate that I'm not a chip guy. No, really? Not a chip guy at all. We have chips all over my house. My kids love chips and stuff. Uh, uh, tortilla chips. Tortilla That's chips. what I do. Some guac or something. But yeah, no, I don't. I like them. I like classic potato. I guess if I have to pick one, it'd just be like Lay's wavy, I guess. Well, I, I think I've argued with people with this before because I guess technically Doritos might not be a potato chip. But for me. No, that's a corn th- chip. Well, whatever. And then I'm going, I'm cheating. I'm going corn chips because those there's a new tangy barbecue uh, Doritos, just a, probably a couple months old that i that i have in fact my son loves them too so every time i get them in the house i'm actually hiding them now in my office because he'll get after them yeah and uh eat them all right last one here if you were to host a non-sports podcast it would mainly revolve around blank so if you were gonna have your own show or if you're gonna do a show with greg but probably your own show and it can't be sports and you're gonna start your own pod right now today what do you think it would be on um what would be your topic of choice i think 
I came down to two probably things mm-hmm. that I would talk about um, that I'm passionate about and I could like carry conversations week in and week out hip hop history, sure, hip hop and R&B, like history and rankings and stuff mm-hmm. and just like exploring albums and talking about just comparing that. So I can do that all day. I love that stuff. And then another one is um, drugs in counterculture and drug policy and drug research. Like I love I get newsletters all the time about just like different drug drug research, what they're doing with uh, mushrooms and some of the research they're doing with that and what they're doing with drug policy. I think it's a, one of the things that we as a society that claims to be a free society has gotten really wrong uh, in how we handle it. And it's a big problem. I know a lot of people personally, I've been affected by drug abuse and, and things like that. And it's always been fascinating to me as to how it's happened. And it's another thing that those one of the things that it probably wouldn't be a good show and I get a lot of hate. Uh, but it is something that I'm passionate about. I could talk for hours. That's good, man. Uh, um, I got two as well. One of them kind of along the same lines as you. I would love to have like an old school hip hop uh, podcast. And by old school, just so we're clear with my me and my age, I'm talking like mainly the 80s. I'm talking like yeah. that era where rap really exploded. Although Run I'm old DMT. school now too. You um, are to an extent. You are yeah. to an extent. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talking, yeah, like Run DMC and LL Cool J, those days, Dougie sure. Fresh, Slick Rick. Not necessarily like Tupac and Biggie and, you know, the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. That was more later on. That's still old school, but I'm talking like 80s. I would do that. And here's the other one. And I actually thought of this before. I looked into it. I wanted to have a podcast called We Are the World. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to do, Quincy Jones would have had to be my first guest. And I wanted to interview people who were part of that collaboration, We Are the World, back in the 80s. Because that was the greatest ensemble of singers in the history of music. Oh, yeah. And I thought it would just be fun to have an interview with certain people who are involved with that different singers, producers, whatever, and just talk about their experience making that record and being a part of it. I thought that would have always been a fun podcast. And I even had the title, like I said, it was co- literally called uh, we are the world. But anyway, I'm stuck doing talking Buffalo. He's stuck doing cover one with, uh, with, with Greg Thompson. And of course their whole host lineup. Do you know what, before we go, actually, I know Cover One's got a show coming up downtown. Again, it's time for Bills fans to, you know, lick your wounds here for a couple of days, but they do have a home opener this weekend. It's still going to be a very exciting time here oh, yeah. in Western New York. Tell people who might not know about this show on Saturday and what's going on down there. Yeah, on the 500 block of Main Street, 523 Main Street, our show sponsor, Leftern, has gotten a bunch of people together here for a block party. So um, if you're not watching, you're just listening on podcast form, they've got, they're going to have a bunch of apparel from Leftern, Oxford Pennant, 26 shirts, Queen City Vintage, Holy Smokes, a bunch of guys here are coming, a bunch of people are coming. Uh, Tailgating Essentials, our friends at uh, Q42, Iman, Rockpile, Grills Mafia is going to be there. There's going to be a bunch of food, beverage. They're going to shut down that whole area of Main Street, and it's going to be an outdoor party. We're going to be on the inside. Pat, you're coming, helping us here. We're going to do a podcast uh, live from there, and it's going to be you're going to be part of it. You're going to be a guest. Nate Geary and Bulldog from WGR are going to come join us. Catherine Fitzgerald from the Buffalo News is going to come join us. Yeah. Um, Alex Brasky. So it's going to be fun. We're going to have some friends down there, and it's really timing up well. If you're a Bills fan coming into the area, or you just live around here this weekend. There's going to be a bunch of different events happening, and they all sort of stagger each other so if you're looking to get out and, and enjoy and to your point lick your wounds and get together with the mafia and reamp and get some of that energy going for the home opener i think the weather's supposed to be pretty nice here this weekend in western new york back into sliding back into some fall weather so it's going to feel like football it's going to look like football i'm excited to see who's going to come out uh and meet 
um, every time that I've been able to get out and interact with fans, it's always been a really great experience. Um, and I look forward to that. So we're, we're really excited about it. We have a really cool sponsor for the show this year. And then outside of that too, we will be live Wednesday night, uh, bringing you again. I got to turn this around. We got to start watching some film here on a short week, just like the bills and, and get ready to prepare everybody for what looked like at least in week one, a pretty, uh, decent Raiders team with some weapons and some big names on both sides of the ball that can cause the Bills problems. So the Bills do got to get in and lick their wounds and luckily didn't sustain much in the terms of injury last night in that tough loss. And so it should be able to come in, get your treatments and get right back at it because the Raiders game, man, you know, you can't drop two ASC games in a row. You got to come out and really stick it in the home opener and get your fans back, right? Yeah, 100%, man. And I'm looking forward very much to uh, being part of that block party on Main Street, I'm looking very much forward to having you on the show some here and there mm-hmm. when uh, your schedule opens up and the opportunity uh, arises. Like I said, tomorrow I'm going to have Anthony Marino from uh, Buffalo Rumblings. And then Thursday night, live from Imperial Pizza, I'll have Nate Gary. And if Aaron can get up there, maybe Aaron will make a little. That's right. Uh, maybe I'll sneak in. Maybe, maybe we'll a little. Maybe we'll sneak in a little bit as well. But thanks, buddy. I appreciate having you on, man. Yeah, dude. No problem, man. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm.